Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Brought to you by Cloudinary, build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. Welcome back, perfect peeps. How's everybody doing today? Uh, we are talking all about local stack today. And if you haven't heard about it, we're going to break it all down kind of in the, the second piece of our podcast today. But first off, I want to welcome on, I, I should have asked you, and I did a terrible job at this, but is it Waldemar? Or That's is perfect, it w? Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's a W in there. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Waldemar, can you tell uh, the folks on the, the podcast kind of a little bit about your background and uh, how you ended up at LocalStack? Yeah, sure. So thanks so much, so much for having me. So um, my name is Waldemar. I'm the CTO and co-founder of LocalStack. Um, so my, I'm originally from, from Austria, from Vienna, um, beautiful little country in, in Europe. Um, basically spent most of my career in, in software engineering, um, you know, all the way from doing some university education almost like 10 years ago and then working in different companies one of the companies we called was called Atlassian um, and this is actually where um, local stack uh, the first lines of code were, were written so the idea was coming out of um, you know we had a lot of AWS cloud usage and we were kind of looking into novel ways to test the applications and this is kind of how we um, started to develop this this local cloud emulator the first version of it and then kind of took it public as an open source project. Um, and yeah, it was kind of growing in the open source for a couple of years. And then um, two and a half years ago, we started building a company around it. And, and that's uh, that's where we are today. That's really cool. So when you were, when you were at Atlassian and even before that, uh, you were kind of more like a team lead, if I'm LinkedIn stalking you correctly. Um, was that also, were you working on product at that time too? So I joined um, Atlassian's um, data engineering team. So we were basically building some large-scale um, data analytics pipelines for, you know, all the product events and analytics. So basically how is Jira, Jira Service Desk, um, Bitbucket, and all these other um, products performing. Um, so it was basically a lot of, you know, huge files in, in S3 buckets and a lot of, you know, data crunching with Hadoop and this, this whole big data ecosystem. Uh, and that's really what brought us to also like a, an, a streaming-based, event-based architecture with Lambda and Kinesis and so on. And this is really where the first um, ideas for, for LocalStack came about. And prior to that, like you you worked at IBM as well, right? Yeah, that's true. We've also been, um, had a stint at IBM, um, worked there for about two years in the um, AI engineering um, uh, department. So we're building essentially um, data pipelines for, for, for model um, training uh, and the inference. So I think it was um, about the time when, I mean, still today, AI is really, you know, the, the, the number one thing, but also the whole DevOps and, and plumbing, quote unquote, aspect of it really became became uh, important back then and sort of built some some infrastructure to to basically build your models and and, uh, and, and have influence on them. Nice. And what programming languages were you writing? Uh, back then, it was uh, a lot of it was written in Go. Um, yeah. And today, most of what we're doing is in Python. So... Yeah, I was assuming you would have said Python originally, but go back then. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sure. Have you ever found the need to kind of go to a lower level language at all um, when you're like maybe a Rust or like even deeper than that? Um, it's a, I mean, it really depends on, on, on the type of use case. Like certainly if you're working on some, you know, high performance backend applications where really, you know, throughput matters and, you know, you want to have good um, um, sort of... Um, distributed characteristics of the services, then things like Go or even Rust can be good choices. Um, I guess for the work we're currently doing, Python has been a pretty good choice. 
It has a performance um, penalty for sure, but I think we've worked around that quite um, with quite some nice ways actually in Locust Lake. Yeah, I I feel like the most I see people using Python is kind of around like the large language models and kind of everything surrounding that too. So that's really exciting to see. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, innovation also in the Python ecosystem, given how important the language has become. Um, there's a lot of um, improvements in the interpreter coming up in, in the new versions. Yeah. Nice. So I think I, I really like to hear people's like stories as they progress through. And when you're in university, uh, you actually have a PhD, right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So I spent um, sort of quite some time at university doing research on, on various topics related to cloud computing, software testing, reliability in general. So um, fun fact, like a lot of time I spent in my research days was on, on infrastructure as code tools like Chef or Puppet, for example, sure. and just testing how these tools kind of converge to the target state under different testing scenarios and permutations and so on. So yeah, it's been, been some fun time, but um, I also enjoy like the, the, the problems we're working on today. Was your intention to kind of stay as a teacher getting your PhD or what was the, what was the thoughts behind that? Initially, yes, um, and like one of the the benefits of, of doing research is really you get to travel a lot. It was you know pre-COVID days, and we you know went to a lot of different conferences, and you can meet a lot of people from around the world. Um, so that's really cool. Um, yeah, it, it really depends on what your career aspirations are. I think in academia you have a fairly narrow path towards what you can achieve. Yeah. So I think industry gives you some more opportunities there. And is there anything uh, in industry, do you, do you find you're, you've learned a ton in industry and will you end up thinking about going back and teaching again? Um, so we, so I like the, the sort of scientific approach towards developing um, software and also increasingly, basically my job is also to build organization and, and scaling teams. So, so that part of it, I still enjoy. And also, for example, we have this educational program where we give, give out licenses to um, university students oh. and also still do some some lectures at university. Um, but I, I would say more as a, as a as a side gig, not as not as sort of my main main profession. Yeah, sure. Uh, one of my favorite classes that I took in university uh, it was during was it early in my master's? I can't remember. It might have been in my undergraduate, but um, it was all about entrepreneurship and kind of the they bring in CTOs from all around the. Uh, the local area to talk and that was such an encouraging and like useful piece to it like we took all these finance classes and accounting classes and things like that but at the end of the day like what am i what why do i need to know these right like i'm not going to become an accountant i'm in computer science and uh having those individuals like yourself as a cto slash ceo these days like there's so many aspects from that that you need to take into those roles it's unbelievable so it'd be really cool to see you go back and kind of take every, everything you've learned and, and teach others about it. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, ad break, but Waldemar has uh, some, some slides for us, and we're going to talk all about local stack when we get back. Cloudinary allows you to remove any unwanted backgrounds so you can reuse assets efficiently. You can also erase objects and people from images for placement in new experiences. For more engaging content, easily turn static images into dynamic animations and rely on smart cropping to always deliver assets with a focus on the most relevant objects to your brand. Cloudinary Programmable Media. Build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. 
So I'm just getting back again, uh, talking with Waldemar about localstack.cloud. I should probably put that in there in case people are searching for it. We're going to break it down a little more and kind of talk talk through Localstack and and what it's used for. Uh, from my personal experience, I've I've used a lot of Amplify on AWS, and I know the pains that that surround that. Uh, they recently released Gen two, which is a little less painful because uh, it's letting you do some things that. Uh, they probably wouldn't love, but uh, <laughs> it makes development quicker. So I'm I'm really interested and eager to hear about local stack and how to kind of bring that developer experience onto my local machine, so I don't have to push things out as fast. Where do you want to get started, Walmer? Um, um, yeah, maybe you can just uh, share a couple of slides um, to yeah. set the stage, and then we can also dive into some some demos. Um, I always love to give live demos and see if things are going to work out well. So I love it. You can see my screen now. I'll just go into slide mode here. Um, I mean, just to yeah, just to set the stage a bit. And by the way, feel free to jump in anytime, and then you know, feel free to ask questions or, or um, additions. So um, basically, the, the the context of where we operate in is is you know, cloud development today um, has certain challenges when it comes to the developer experience. Um, so basically, you know. There's lots of different resources to manage typically when you develop something like an, a serverless application with a lot of let's say lambda functions dynamodb tables s3 buckets and so on so there's lots of moving parts in general um so developers end up um, deploying their changes quite frequently to the cloud um, making sure that everything is working correctly maybe having to make some local changes uploading to the cloud again so it's kind of a, a cycle of changes that uh, are generally slowing people down the other thing uh, to consider is um, kind of remote debuggability of um, of your um, CI builds, right? So, for example, in, in this tile four here, if we assume that you have some CI pipelines running, some branches are passing, and then some builds are failing, it's sometimes hard to actually replicate um, the state onto your local machine and debug what was actually the reason behind um, a failing test. And then also, if you think about um, just things like developing um, in, in a sandbox environment, as is typically done in, in, in organizations, um, you know, managing all these, these sandbox accounts for developers can become quite, um, you know, a lot of management overhead and also and also costly. So those are some of the challenges that we're addressing with, with LocalStack, um, and the community has sort of uh, helped us shape this um, the story behind it. And basically, I, what... I really uh, struggle with that number four in there too. By the way, <laughs> I do? feel like it's constant yeah. like issues with pipeline. Hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. You have a failing test, right, and then trying to figure out based on the logs, either from your CI run or somewhere in the CloudWatch logs, for example, in the cloud. Um, so it can become quite, uh, quite, quite challenging. Yeah. And from a very like high-level point of view, um, the solution, like imagine your application here, this blue box, is moving through the different stages. Like you, you start on the local machine, um, then there's some kind of a CI/CD environment, and then all the way to the production environment. And the application is just basically talking to API endpoints. So in this case, I think this is Lambda, this is um, something like DynamoDB, this is probably S3. And you know, the application is just talking to these APIs and in the lower stages, it just happens to be talking to uh, at the local stack emulated endpoints, API endpoints that we provide. It's basically running in a Docker container. And again, the application is kind of agnostic of which environment it operates in. You can use the same code for production as you would use for local testing. But you have much quicker cycles of iteration with, with your application on the local machine. Um, so this is really on a, on a very high level kind of what the solution brings. Um, and you know, one of the key aspects is, is speed, right? So when we think about um, developing applications and deploying these cloud resources, 
it really boils down to how fast can I spin up my resources. And I don't, we've, we've done a bunch of comparisons here. It's obviously not a, a fully fair comparison to do like local versus a remote execution, because obviously local is, is inherently faster, but it can make a significant difference, right? So here, for example, we're looking at a, an RDS database that's spun up in local stack in two minutes or something. And then in the real cloud, it takes something like 20 plus minutes. <laughs> and again, if you frequently deploy and test applications, and this is really what we want to um, foster with the solution to really frequently test apps and also infrastructure code, then this can make quite a big difference um, for, for the developers. Wow, yeah. Is that something you've also experienced, like slow development times and deployment times? Yeah, so for me, every time I'm touching, um, you know, in Amplify, like it takes forever for a cloud formation to run. And it's there's a lot of checks that are occurring and like indexes it needs to work on. I haven't done a lot of RDS. Um, usually I go out to like the CDK to build that out. And it doesn't seem like it takes this long, but perhaps on the first load it does. So, yeah, absolutely, cool. Yeah, so um, and this is really um, so one of the key pieces, and we'll we'll get to a short demo to make this a bit more concrete. But one of the the key pieces for us is um, we want to meet developers where they are today, right? So that's why we've developed a lot of different integrations, um, various CI/CD systems, for example, where you can natively run local stack. Essentially, everything that allows you to spin up a Docker container um, is very likely to support local stack in CI. Different ISC tools, infrastructures called Terraform, I think is the most um, frequently used one. CDK, you know, very much pushed by AWS um, as the cloud development kit, Pulumi, Crossplane, and others. And then all the way to different application development frameworks, um, test containers, which is a popular library to spin up um, local stacking from Java, for example. Uh, and I'm not sure if we have Amplify here, but there's also an integration that we've built for for Amplify directly, which you, we can maybe check out. It's that would point. be neat, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love Pulumi, by the way. Like the being able to stick within your own language and and having like very similar power to Terraform, it's it's really cool. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Pulumi has a pretty active community, also, so we see a lot of uptake here in, in this area. Um. Yeah, so why don't we just dive into like a, a short, quick, quick demo and see see the tool live in action? So basically, what we prepared here is a small demo that has um, you know just a few parts here. So it's basically an S3 bucket notification sample where we have an S3 bucket um, that we're going to use to store some some log files, just some JSON dumps basically. Um, and whenever we put a file to this bucket, um, it's going to trigger a notification and call a lambda function, and the lambda function is going to do some processing on these log files. And then whenever um, we see certain, um, let's say, values in these log files, we trigger an alert to SQS, to a queue, and then another client can read off um, this queue to you know, process these, these messages. So kind of a um, simple example, but just to uh, kick things off a bit and, and see local stack in action. Um, so what I'm going to do here is I'll just um, uh, start local stack here. I just had an um, instance running, but I'll just um, restart from scratch here. Just takes a second until it's shut down. Okay, so what I'm going to do is just do a local stack start here. So this starts up local stack um, and it's basically running in a Docker container as I briefly mentioned before. So if we do a Docker PS here, we can actually see um, the container is running now. It's called the local stack main. Um, this is the image name and it has a bunch of ports exposed. Uh, exposed basically. And essentially like right now there's no services per se like running on this, right? Yeah, so basically all the services are, are now available up and running, but they haven't been loaded yet. So, 
So the, the entry point port 4566 is already listening uh, and the first request will basically enable the services and start them up. So what we can now do is um, we can interact with local stack with this AWS local CLI, which is a drop-in replacement for um, the AWS CLI, and just do an S3LS, for example, um, listing the buckets. There's currently nothing in there. So let me just create a bucket. Um, we're going to call tests. Um, and this has now been created. So this is kind of the most you know simple Hello World example that we can run. <laughs> and you can see here in the debug logs, it's, it's showing us list buckets, create bucket, and all these API calls that we're triggering from the local machine here. Um, so this is kind of really just the, the basic setup. And now taking a look at our um, example that we've um, that we've just uh, seen in the slides. Um, so this is actually defined as a uh, Terraform uh, script. So let's quickly go into the main TF, which define defines all the different components in here. Um, so we have the S3 bucket to store our logs. We have the SQS queue here with some queue policy. Um, we have the Lambda function itself. We're going to take a look at that in a second. So this is the Lambda that just does some processing on the logs. We have some IAM roles, just a typical boilerplate, essentially, uh, and then the bucket notification, which links um, the Lambda function uh, to S3 object-created events um, if we put a file to the, to the S3 bucket. Um, so this is really pretty much it. Um, so now what we can do is we can go ahead and Usually what you would do is you would run Terraform um, uh, apply. Um, but in this case, we again have a small wrapper script. It's called tflocal. Um, again, it's a drop-in replacement for, for Terraform. And we can now say tflocal apply. And it's now reading in um, this, this config file. Um, we can say, yes, we want to um, we want to deploy these changes. And now you can see already in the left-hand side, um, it starts the deployment loop, basically. Um, and again, it's, it's worth mentioning at no point here we're talking to real AWS. It's, it's all happening on the local machine. In fact, it could even be offline in that sense to to work with OpenStack. This is a this is a good work for being on the, the airplane uh, at this point. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. I mean, the two of the, we, we both met at reInvent, if you remember, and um, actually on the way to to reInvent, it was just, you know finishing some some demos on the plane. So it really does work even if you're off, uh, offline, which is just pretty cool. And I know we're talking like specifically AWS and Terraform. Does local stack go out to like GCP or anything else as well? Yeah, not at this point. So we, we get um, that question a lot. Um, we do have Azure in our pipeline for next year, um, but there's just been so much um, depth that we could still yeah. uh, work on in AWS. AWS is massive. <laughs> it is it is quite massive, actually. And we're still a, a small team, so. Um, Okay, so now, now this application is deployed and let's just take a quick look at the, the Lambda function that I just mentioned before. So I have this here in my IDE and this is just a simple um, Lambda function where with the well-known signature here with the handler, you get the event and the context. Let me just zoom in here a bit so to make sure everybody can read this. Um, and essentially what we receive in, in, the, in the Lambda function is S3 bucket um, notifications which have records in the events. Um, and then basically what we do is we just loop over all the records, um, do some checks on, on the contents of those, and then trigger an alert in SQS, basically if the CPU value is, is higher than a certain percentage here, which is encoded in these JSON files. Um, I guess it's mostly for demonstration purposes, so the, the actual um, logic of the Lambda is not that important, but let's just take a quick look at my run script here, which is my little cheat sheet. And I can now... Um, put one of these log files um, to the S3 buckets. And what you can see here on the left-hand side is actually triggering the Lambda function. And this 
might be a bit hard to read here, but basically we see something like hello world, for example. So this is the output from the actual Lambda function that just ran in a, in a container on my local machine. That's cool. And one of the cool things is I want to just briefly showcase this, um, what we call hot swapping. So we can now, we can say um, dev, um, dev one, two, three, right? So we just make a change. I'm just saving the file. I'm not redeploying it. And then basically the next time around, we, we copy the file. It triggers the Lambda again, and we see uh, it's basically immediately reflecting these changes here in the output. That's um, awesome. This is really one of the, one of the main things that we really advertise a lot. You know, having these quick cycles of iteration on your on your logic, essentially locally. Yeah, especially like one tiny bug that you didn't capture, and it takes like you know cycles of trying to push that up, fixing it, pushing it up, fixing it. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gets even worse. So with Lambdas, you you know you have to create the zip file and upload it to the cloud and so on. I think it gets even worse with um, Docker images, right? Because then you need to rebuild the image, push it to an ECR, and then yeah, it, yeah things. Can At get that point, worse. like your tests better be really good so you can catch them early in that pipeline. Otherwise, you're taking twenty minutes instead of two minutes type of thing, and now you're down to like what five seconds <laughs> making this change. So, hundred percent, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so this is really, and, and I think essentially we could even like receive the message from, from SQS here. Um, don't have to do this right now, but just to, to illustrate a bit what the end-to-end -end, um, kind of workflow looks like with the local stack. Um, there's also a, a web application that we, that we offer, which has a bunch of different um, features. So it has a, a usage dashboard where you can see some basic insights into how the, the instance has been used, um, like, the current instance and the historical instances, we have what's called stack insights to give you like detailed telemetry of okay the different API calls that were happening in, in your CI pipeline, for example. Um, there's uh, so-called resource browsers, which we'll see in a second. It's basically a um, you know a, 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 a simplified version of the AWS console to browse the, the resources in your local stack instance, and then also some more insights into your into your CI builds. Um, so why don't we just quickly um, switch over to the um, to the web app? So this is under app.locustack.cloud. Um, this is my account here. You will see in the dashboard. You actually see um, these stacks. So stack is basically one instantiation of a local stack container, and we can already see here that's the one that's currently running. Uh, and if I click on it, um, we can actually see the interactions that were happening with this particular container. So you get some quite detailed insights into you know what was happening in that particular container. There was some errors actually, some some success statuses. So this is kind of useful to get to get some some basic insights about um, the container that's currently running. And is is the equivalent like when we're talking about stacks? When you look at cloud formation, is it the equivalent to that? Yeah, it's a good point. It's um there is some resemblance, some similarity, but it's it's a bit so stacks are really more like um instances in our in our terminology here. Um so yeah, you, you write it cloud formation stacks would be on a slightly different level of, of granularity, even though oftentimes a cloud formation stack maps to one sort of instance of local stack that it gets deployed in. But it's 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 a slightly different notation here. Okay. Um, yeah. But I think one thing that's maybe um, also quite nice to show is this uh, resource browser, as I briefly mentioned. So this will look quite familiar maybe to, to some uh, some folks in the audience. So here you can see all the different services that we provide. And um, here, for example, I can go to S3, and we can see uh, the particular buckets that were created as part of the of the sample application. So for example, our, our log file that we created here and 
yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy way to you know, get some um, some insights into, into what's running in your instance. And again, even though this is a, a hosted web application, it actually talks to the local container. So there's no interaction with a remote cloud system. We can go to Lambda here, for example, as well. Um, go to our example. I think we can even look at the log files here. Yeah, so we can actually see the timestamps that were processed in this log. Um, so this is kind of useful and nice as well to get some additional debug information um, in a graphical user interface. Um, obviously not as, as powerful as the AWS console, but... Uh, I like this though, like it's very clean. You don't have to take and jump 10 steps into something to try to figure it out. Yeah, exactly, that's true. And I think the UI experience from the console is also constantly evolving. Like I keep getting these, do you want to try the, the new UI experience, uh, you know, pop-ups and... It's, so, it's funny uh, because I feel like for years they neglected that experience and now they're starting to and it's it's massively better than it ever was. Yeah, absolutely. It's much more unified also across the services. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of curious when you start to like solidify to like this example and you're like I'm I'm ready to go to production. What does that flow start to look like? Or, or even better yet, like you're ready to go to staging to get it kind of tested before production. Yeah, it's a great point. So, um, so typically, um, most of the projects that also like we use this as you can imagine for our own dog fooding of our own AWS um, services and infrastructure. So typically what you have is some kind of a test environment where with maybe a Docker Compose file or some, some CI script that basically runs the same test that you run locally in a CI pipeline. So that's typically one of the steps. It's very easy to take your local test setup to, to CI. And in fact, maybe I can briefly show this here. We got this section here in the, in the web UI, which is called CI projects. And this is actually the builds that we see from um, our own uh, local stack platform. So we, we use this for our own dog footing essentially um, to get, you know, for each CI run that we, that we run, you get the detailed logs from the local stack container, and then also some, some traces for the different tests that we're running. So in our particular case, we're using Python. So it's using um, PyTest as the, as the test um, framework and actually drill into, into the, the requests and responses that were happening as part of the CI build. And then once all these tests are passing, um, it's relatively easy to make the switch to production. So typically it's a, a, either like a Terraform um, apply. So you wouldn't use TF local, but the actual Terraform, sure. or maybe you do a CDK deploy, depending on what infrastructure's code um, you're using. And how are you keeping the two in sync? Like when you do TF apply and then like TF local, is it everything but the data it can, it can kind of stay in sync with the infrastructure? Yeah, that's that, that's a great point. So usually, what we see a lot is that in in CI builds, oftentimes the infrastructure gets created essentially from scratch. So you start from a you know clean instance, then maybe you have your Terraform script, everything gets deployed, you run your tests, tear everything down. Um, in a, in the real environment, it's typically you have incremental changes, right? So you add um, changes on top of existing states, um, and that's why we we've developed a mechanism. And this is, I think, a good segue into into cloud pods, which is literally the next next slide here um, in my deck, which is basically a, a persistence mechanism. So cloud pods, and again, from a terminology point of view, this is not to be confused with Kubernetes pods. Um, it has nothing to do with Kubernetes. It's basically a persistent. It's like a zip file um, in a nutshell, okay. right? Yep. But what you can do with cloud pods is uh, you can take um, a snapshot of the state at any point in time of execution of your local stack instance, store it to a server, and then later on inject the same state into a new instance. And wow. this really allows you to do like these incremental um, changes and, and deploys. Um, 
to really see whether this delta changes are actually working as expected. That's really cool. And then, it, so you could pull down as like six different developers, you could pull down that state or that snapshot across any of them at any moment, right? Yes, exactly. So it's really, it's really extremely useful for, um, for sort of collaboration purposes. We see a lot of teams, um, essentially, when a new developer gets onboarded, they get, you know, they get the laptop, they check out a Git repo, and they set up their dev environment. And the first thing they do is they inject the state into their local stack instance to get, you know, up and running immediately from the state that everyone else is using. Um, and this is extremely powerful for collaboration purposes. Um, so in fact, if we want to take a quick look at how this works, um, so let's tear this down. Let's just restart local stack here for a sec. And um, so basically the, the way to interact with the CloudPods is via the, the CLI. There's also a UI component, but CLI is kind of the preferred way to do it. Now, first of all, let's just create, um, again, like a bucket. Um, maybe let's create an SQS queue. Let's do something like uh, it was local um, uh, SQS create queue, you can click hide on that thing if it's bugging you. Oh uh, yeah, that's cool, thanks, yeah, oops, right. uh, queue name, uh, q one. Okay, so we just created some, some simple state here. And now what we can do is we can run a, uh, a save operation. I already have this in my history here. We can just say local stack pod save, and we say um, test pod or just any, any arbitrary name here. And what happens now, basically, oops, okay, interesting. I probably gotta, gotta log in first. Um, uh, log in. I think it might even be already logged in up here. Let me just use the. And I'm noticing, like, while you're creating these, it looks like US East one is in there. Are you just kind of specifying a random region, or are you actually using regions across? Yeah, so we do have uh, full support for like the different regions and also actually multi-account in local stack. Use this one just happens to be, I think, the default in my profile, uh, presumably. Sure. Yeah. Is there is there like any sort of? I know this is getting super weird, but like, slow it down if it's coming from like Germany, so we can test that sort of relationship. Oh yeah, that's a great. So this is actually the the, the next point I had right after the, the cloud pod. So um, cool. just yeah, bear with me for a second. Um, so what, what I'm basically doing, so we, we start the cloud pod um, under this name here. What I'm just going to do is restart local stack. And basically what we, if we do another um, LS here on the, on the SP bucket, for example, it's empty as expected, right? Because um, the state is ephemeral. If you do all these queues, um, there's nothing in there. And now we can basically do the reverse operation, which is uh, local stack pod loads. And this was the name of the pod, test pod. And this is basically now loading the same state back in, and we can then, you know, do the listing uh, of the queues of the buckets, and then you can see that you know everything was basically within a second recreated from what we saved previously. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of something that we've you know our users are quite excited about, and enables us to do quite um, you know novel ways of collaboration and and also dealing with state in a very in a very flexible way essentially. That's really cool. So do you end up taking a branch and creating that state like that pod can exist in a specific branch or how does how do you actually pull that typically? Yeah, it's a great point. So we have so first of all, these these pods are, are versions. So here we created version three because I already created some previous versions of the same pod. So you can basically version these pods over time. 
In fact, um, if we go to the to our web UI, we would also be able, able to see um, this particular pod, which is created, what is it called? Test um, pod. Uh, it's got a bunch of different test pods in here already. <laughs> yeah, this was the one. Um, and then we can see, okay, we got three versions of this created, right? Gotcha, okay. Um, and then the other thing is you can actually combine these pods together. So assume you have, let's say, some infrastructure with some you know basic networking, EC2, VPCs, and all that. Sure. There may be some platform um, resources and then some application resources. You can actually combine these pods together and have the union of all the states in your, your local state instance. Oh, that's cool. So that's another useful thing to have. Okay, um, since you already mentioned before briefly, um, so one of the really interesting points uh, that we, um, we've spent quite some time on is, is fault injection and simulation of, for example, error conditions, but also latencies, as you mentioned, for example, right? So you can, you can so local like is, is very configurable, so we can essentially inject any kind of fault situation uh, as you can imagine, um, much easier than for a cloud provider, right? It's it's relatively hard for AWS to say, I don't know, my entire region goes down. Um, but for us, it's it's just basically a configuration that we can set in the in the emulator. Yeah. Um, and the same goes for latencies and different error conditions and so on. So this is something where we can really help teams to um, make kind of resilience testing and make sure that their application can react to certain um, situations, for example, if a service goes down or if there's you know certain rate limiting errors and so on. Um, so we have, in fact, um, a small UI that, that also features this, this chaos engineering. So I want to just briefly show this. Um, so we have different kind of errors that we can inject here directly from the UI. And one of the cool ones is this region unavailable. So since you already mentioned regions before, we can now say, now, let's just start an experiment and say that US East 1 goes down, right? And um, just click this button here and say... And three quarters of the internet has shut down at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. I mean, you would say, you, you would think that this doesn't really happen, but it does happen. If you remember a couple of months ago, actually Lambda yeah. US East and did go down. And now what we're seeing, we're trying to access that region and it's giving us some internal errors um, that are just generated by local stack. And after a couple of retries, it fails. Um, if I go to use these two, for example, that one's up and running, it works. Um, and then we can even go back and stop the experiment and then go back to use one again and it should be up and running. Um, so this is something where we see um, increasing the teams are starting to run their CI tests when like sprinkling, you know, with a certain probability, sprinkling some errors into the, into the environment to just see um, how the application reacts to that and making sure that you have fallbacks in place dead letter queues and all these different um, mechanisms for, um, for for disaster recovery, essentially. I assume they're able to, to trigger all of this via API too, so they can kind of do some CI testing to hit all of their different marks? Yeah, 100%. Um, so in fact, AWS itself has a uh, an API that's uh, called the FIS, the Fault Injection Simulator. And we also sort of implement that API surface. Um, and we even go beyond that with, um, with a so-called extension. So this is actually maybe a nice segue into extensions. So extensions is basically um, plugins for, for local stack, um, if you will. So you can essentially you know, add additional services, emulators, and additional functionality. And we've built this, this outage extension here, as we call it. And this is a highly configurable um, chaos engineering system that's also configurable via an API interface, as you mentioned. So you can really enable that in your, in your CI build. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. 
And that's something that's been quite quite exciting, especially like the the UI feature is something that you know we showed this at reinvented the booth, and you know people were quite oh wow this is pretty pretty cool. It's relatively hard to test these situations uh, in the real cloud for, for obvious reasons. Um, another interesting, and we're kind of really um, browsing through the different um, features here, but another interesting point is IAM, so identity and access management. So one thing we realized. Um, in LocalStack, so in the early days of development, um, there was basically no IAM enforcement happening in LocalStack. So it was a permit all system. You could do any operation and you know just feel free to go. And then once you make the switch to production, um, you end up having maybe some issues with policies and you know some some lacking permissions and so on. That's why in in newer versions of LocalStack, we actually have built an IAM enforcement engine, so you can actually simulate policies and you know access um, restrictions and so on. Um, and one of the cool things is it doesn't only generate, uh, like it doesn't even, it doesn't only enforce policies, but you can actually also generate policies by observing the requests that are being made to local stack. Um, so we have this, um, again, it's something that we fix both in the UI and we can enable what we call the IAM policy stream. So once this one is enabled, local stack basically now starts listening for any um, interactions with the system. So we do a, a list function here, we list the buckets. And if I switch back to the UI, it actually shows me um, these are the particular permissions that are required to run these operations um, that are just ran, right? That's right. And, and you can really easily copy paste this into into your into your policy editor, for example. If we ran this for our sample from before, you would see a very long um, policy coming out of this because we have all sorts of moving parts, SQS, S3, and so on. Um, and this is really useful from a from a debugging perspective as well. Because if you have a permission denied situation, basically you will get some detailed logs also in the in the local stack log. It tells you exactly, I don't know, this lambda function cannot access this DynamoDB table because you know some some policy is missing, for example. Yeah, um, I, I, in when I'm running an amplify, I feel like I'll run into an issue like this, and it's like one error at a time that I get to go through. Like, oh, you fixed that one, but now I can't do this, and now it's on to the next one. It's like ever everlasting until I can get them all gone. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And the other cool thing is also we're working on a mechanism for like basically minimal policies because what you see, right. what you see for example, is a star uh, resource and usually want to narrow it down as, as much as possible. Um, to be I, had a, I had a client that was quite the stickler once on just like specific and I'm like, your policy is ginormous now. <laughs> like it's, it's to the point where like we're going to have to do something else, but it yeah. is. To each their own, I guess. <laughs> yeah. When you're, when you're like listing out functions and you have 98% of them, like, is a star going to be okay? I feel like yes. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a trade off. Yeah, for sure. It's a good point. Yeah. Anyways, yes, this is great. Um, what do you have next? I mean, I guess we, we've been going through, um, briefly talked about extensions, which again is a pretty um, cool way to, you know, extend local stack functionality. Um, I think. Um, we also covered um, this debugging with CI builds. So we already briefly looked into the, the web UI where you can actually see what's happening in my CI build and the different interactions. Um, maybe just one more point that's that's quite interesting that we, we recently um, put out there as a, as a preview is um, ephemeral ephemeral instances of local stack. So the way this works, or the idea basically being um, the, the main use case for for using local stack is basically on your local machine in the Docker container, as we as we just did. Um, but there's also some cases where you maybe want to have a 
and, and like a shared instance that can be viewed by, by others. For example, if you're working on some kind of a UI um, um, application, web application, and you have like maybe a pull request with some changes and actually creating a preview that allows other team members to review the changes in the, like, you know, in, in the web application. So we've, um, we've created this, uh, um, this new mechanism here for creating ephemeral instances, as we call them. Um, and you can basically say, um, create a new instance here. Um, and what's happening now in the background, it's actually spinning up um, a small cloud VM, basically a container that runs local stack. And we should get back in a couple of seconds an endpoint that we can then use um, to interact with that local stack instance. So it's, again, like a very easy way to, um, to spin up a, an instance real quick, work with it, um, and then tear it down again after we don't need it anymore. So what I can do here uh, is set, I want to, let's do AWS endpoint um, um, URL. So this is the environment variable. Uh, and then I can say uh, locust uh, S3LS. Let me actually um, shut down locust here just for, for the demo effect. And I'm, I'm running an, an S, S3 um, command here, and this is really going against uh, the remote instance. I can create a bucket here. Um, and again, no, you'll just see these warnings, but I think they can be ignored. It's just for uh, for some SSL connect connectivity. But now we actually have an, an, an instance that we can interact with remotely without having to run Docker on our local machine, right? Oh, gotcha. Also, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's something that, that we're quite excited about and, and want to get some um, some more feedback on by the, by the community. It's currently in, in alpha state, but um, looking forward to, to building it out more with the, with the community. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'm kind of curious. So we mentioned Atlassian early on. Uh, is there still a relationship there, or is like local stack all privately funded? What what does that representation look like? Yeah, so there's no more relationship to to Atlassian whatsoever. So essentially, um, at the, the point in time when we took the 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 project open source under the Apache license, that's basically when it you know became an independent open source project. Um, we are now um, privately funded. That, that's correct. And um, I guess we've been flying a bit under the radar and haven't really done much of an announcement around this yet, but certainly we can share more and more in the next year. Cool. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Well, thank you for showing me all about local stack. I think it's immensely uh, successful even at the point it's at because of how fast developers can kind of get up and get through AWS and all the issues surrounding AWS. As as we know, it's kind of this massive beast, but to be able to develop quickly locally, I think is amazing. So that's awesome. Thanks, we're gonna you. we're gonna change gears a little bit and go into what we call our perfect picks. And uh, you shared a game with me for your perfect pick. Are you uh, ready to talk all about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just something that that came up recently. Somebody um, from our team posted this this um, this little game here in, in one of our Slack channels, and I guess we just became quite addicted uh, playing this. And uh, you know, it's almost like an internal competition who's got more points. So it's like a really simple game, essentially similar to something like um, a bit similar to like Tetris essentially. So you just have like all these um, these fruits falling down and then it kind of grow in size. And then you have to make sure that you get as many points as possible and, and they basically grow into much, you know, larger fruits over time. So yeah, it's kind of, it's been really fun and something for, for the holidays that we've spent um, quite some time on in the last couple of days playing this game. This is pretty wild. I wonder if this is WebGL or if it's actually like CSS under the hood. I'll have to check that out later. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think there's also a PlayStation version of this, so it's uh, I don't know. It's become 
quite popular, I guess, in the meantime. Simple that's, but that's effective. That's interesting. So is it Suka? Suka game? Yeah, Suka. Suka, Suka yeah. game. That's cool. I like it. Um, my perfect pick is Kyber.ai. So I think it's somewhat becoming popular now, uh, but because of, let me see if I can find it. I can't. Hmm, maybe it's in the gallery. There's an edition of this, or there is a vi music video that was created. And I can't think of the band for the life of me right now. Anyways, there's, this is really cool because you can put in different styles. So you can put in an image. So a lot of people have been taking and like using ChatGPT to find the perfect image they want to start with. And then they feed the image in. Um, the other way to do it is through audio and video. So I did a lot of different things with the audio and uploaded them. And for Christmas, I put together a little Christmas album uh, using Kyber where I tell it like these crazy stories and it actually makes a full video from them. Um, and it's got our just kind of Christmas music that plays in the background for like when you're hanging out for the holidays. It's got some trippy stuff. <laughs> so I had put in the put a uh, cat chasing a mouse and what it ended up doing was taking cats that turn into mice, which become a little interesting and weird so i i left it because i thought it was pretty sweet but um it it takes amazing stories and like flip books the one thing i'm noticing over and over with uh ai generation is it's not doing well with words so like this gets a little weird and things like that but it's come a long ways um and if you if you watch like the beat of the music goes through uh so shout out to, to john over at Superbase who uh, showed me their album it's amazingly better it took john two years i think he said to write the the music for theirs and uh dive into the ai video generation later on so super cool stuff uh thank you so much for joining me uh waldemir and i really appreciate you showing off local stack and i huge success in the future man it, it looks really cool thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure all right That's we'll great. see you all next time